Scripture says that the Lord abides in the worship of God's people. And I trust that you this morning, at least any fiber within your spirit, your body, or your soul may have been touched by God's presence as we have been worshiping God, as we have been engaging God intentionally. And it wasn't easy for a lot, some of the people here when we started this worship service, kind of worship service, right? It wasn't easy. I remember people telling me those three little songs in the middle, today they were four, but those three little, sometimes are two. <laughs> those three little songs in the middle, you know, we're going to have to get used to that. And, and four and a half years later, uh, uh, we haven't gotten used to it. No, we've adopted them. They are who we are. And, and, and I hope that you learn them and you practice them at home and, and you read them because they always have the intention of bringing you closer to Jesus and God. And speaking to your soul and spirit. In your worship guide, you have the scripture that I will be speaking out of this morning. It is in the Gospel of John, verse 15. If you remember, uh, uh, John is actually with his disciples in the upper room. He's still there. From uh, chapter 12, yeah, of John, 13, he's there. 14, he's there. And 15, he's still there in the meal. He had a long conversation during that meal. He did. Uh, so in 15, he's actually uh, encouraging the disciples to, to, to live in a different way. To, to kind of think, who do they depend upon for their sustenance? Who do they depend upon for their daily living, for inspiration, for strength, for that inner strength that many of us don't find and give up and just sit in front of the tube because we gave up. Let us then listen to, to and for the word of the Lord as we find Jesus' words recorded by John. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You already have been pruned and purified by the message I, had, I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain, abide, dwell, hang out in me. Jesus, pardon me, yes, I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Uh, I am continuing a series. Uh, uh, those of you who are visiting, I encourage you to, 
to get this yellow sheet is in the table outside. It has the calendar of events, but also in the back, it has a summary of the teaching series that I am sharing with this congregation this month, and the title of it is The Powerful Grace of God. And, and we talk about the amazing grace of God, and we have sang it for, for maybe a century and a half or two centuries about the amazing grace of God, but many of us just considered the grace of God to just be a very nice Talk away, you know, concept in Scripture, a word that kind of gives us that guarantee, a word that gives us that assurance that God is okay with us, but it's just that. My argument this month has been that, it, that grace is not that static, lifeless word that just gives us hope. It's not just those letters written in a page. It is an active, it is a powerful thing that moves God. You see, active is, uh, grace is dynamic. Grace does not stay alone. Grace does not stay sitting down. Grace is always on the move through us or through God. Grace is what moves God. It moves God to fix things between you and I. It moves God to change your life. And it moves God to even bring all of these people. I mean, look around. Do you want to hang around these grammar people? No. But God's grace brings us together so that we can learn and learn intentionally to live, to know each other, and share God's grace with one another. Last week, I was talking about how, how uh, grace basically is so powerful. But last week, we were talking about uh, the words of Jesus when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And we placed the emphasis in that section of the sentence, as I have loved you. And then Paul kind of reiterates the same thing in chapter 15 and says, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. So when we see the powerful grace of God that brings us together, that loves us, and that actually accepts us, we see that that grace of God that God poured on our hearts is free and unconditional. We found out that it did cost God His Son and that it was sacrificial to Jesus. We found out that it was intentional. God did not do it by accident. God poured His grace on you because God loved us first. And to make sure that we understood that carefully and to make sure that we could rest on that reality that God loved us first intentionally, then He makes a covenant. Actually, the covenant was before. The love was the verifying. We also found out that when God loves us and Jesus loves us that way, then we also are to accept and love others free and unconditional. <sighs> Costly and sacrificial, we are to love and accept one another. <sighs> it's costly and it's sacrificial, but it is intentional. Because God pours God's love on us, and then He pours off. And that person that we don't really like that much, we find ourselves sometimes, without really intentionally doing it, sitting next to them. Oh, is that you? <laughs> sitting next to them, in, in, or eating an ice cream like this afternoon. Because we are a family. Because God has built us into a family. God has built us into a place of belonging, spiritually. And that's the covenant that I will be your God and you will be my people. And that's how we build a community with, with powerful grace. Today I want to talk about sustaining grace very briefly. Sustaining grace. This is the kind of grace that, that kind of uh, physically, let me see if we can understand this. 
How, I, I cooked, did I cook last? Yes, I cooked last night. I made a delicious Puerto Rican arroz con pollo. Oh my gosh, was that good. And then I added some habichuelitas coloradas. Oh. Oh, you don't know what I was talking about. Sorry. Um, I made some delicious rice with chicken. Oh, savory. You know the Caribbean style. And then I made some little red beans. Ooh, they would have gone wonderful with pilau. Oh, I tell you, pilau is a Kenyan delicious rice. <laughs> See, uh, now, when I cooked that chicken, I didn't raise that chicken. For, somebody raised that chicken, right? Somebody hatched the egg. Somebody raised the chicken. I saw them as I was going down to southern Georgia. I saw them all packed up in this truck. Poor little thingies, and I said, oh, Lord, and then I eat them. <laughs> yeah. So, the rice. Who, who grew that stock of rice? Maybe it was in South Carolina. Could have been. But somebody planted that rice, right? Somebody reaped that rice. They put it in a bag so I could go to Food Depot or wherever I went to get it, and I bought it. Now, that's my effort. I can do that. Right? How many of you have been to my house and know that I can cook? Oh, a lot of hands didn't go up. I got to get busy. And you know what? All of that effort, all of that science is worthless, is meaningless if we don't have the sun, if we don't have the rain. Think about it. If we don't have the wind and the seasons the right soil that God provides. So, my dear sisters and brothers, ultimately, whether we are physically sustained or we are spiritually sustained, God is the one that sustains us ultimately. Because that rice would not have grown, that stuff would not, that chicken would not have been in my mom. You see, my lips, if it wasn't because God allowed it, and then I went ahead and did something with it. But ultimately, the grace came from God to sustain us physically. When we collect those vegetables in the supermarket, there's been a long chain of men and women working on that, from the one who planted it, from the one who cared for it. But ultimately, God provides the sun, God provides the weather, God provides the rain for all of that to grow. That is the hope of every farmer, that is farmers are always close to God. God at heart, because they know they depend on God. The word sustenance refers to the idea of maintaining someone or something alive. It is nourishment. It is what refreshes you. It is, it is your bacons. You get that? It is your wings. You get that? It is your rice and beans or your pilau. It's what satisfies your soul. It is what builds you up. It is what picks you up when you are down. It is what upholds you when you can't even sustain yourself. See, Jesus knew how to sustain himself. Jesus understood that sustaining himself depended on his relation with God the Father. Jesus made a lot of miracles. Actually, one day Jesus was with his disciples in John, uh, what is it, John something 34, uh, 434. He's with his disciples, and, and their disciples are eating, and Jesus is just not having any of the food. And they're like, Master, you know, Rabbi, please eat something. 
And Jesus sometimes said the weirdest things. Do you agree with me? Said the most strangest thing that anybody could have said. He said, my food is to do the will of God. What? What is he talking about? Well, the disciples were sustaining themselves physically, which is good and healthy. Jesus was saying, don't only depend on the physical food to sustain you. But he said, my food is to do the will of God. Ultimately, to do the will of God is to become like God. And Jesus said, I do the things that I see God doing. So Jesus would imitate God as Jesus would heal. Jesus would be very much aware of his presence with God because Jesus would sustain himself. Jesus would take a break and pray. He would water himself with God. He would rest in the Lord. He would dwell in peace. He, f- he was fed with the word. And he did this in very practical ways. We find a situation where Jesus is with his disciples. Jesus is healing. He's doing many miracles. And towards the end of the day, Jesus goes away to be alone, to be in solitude, to replenish, to seek sustenance from the powerful God that he depends upon. He spent time in solitude. He went, oh, did you know that Jesus also, as he was sustaining himself, he would go to parties? Because fellowship is part of sustaining yourself. Fellowship is part. He was accused for being, you know, for drinking too much and eating too much, but that's to be discussed. You see, he was out there enjoying life and witnessing to the powerful grace of God. Jesus enjoyed and played with the children, with creation. He loved creation. He hung around with sinners, the unclean and those rejected by society. Out of the nourishment, out of that, Jesus would actually get nourished. When he was with other people serving, he would get nourished. When he was alone in prayer, he would get nourished. When he was out doing miracles, he would get nourished. In the same way that Jesus got nourished and was able to sustain the power of God in his own life, we are invited in the same way. You see, uh, Jesus shares his sustenance style. In the class that we're doing this afternoon, that's precisely what we're talking about. How are we sustaining? How do we practice? Because this sustenance, today we call, we call them spiritual practices. You see, we practice sustaining spirituality with one another when we accept one another in Christ, as Christ has accepted us, as we said last week, when we love one another as Christ loved us, as we said last week, when we encourage, when we uplift, when we build up instead of tearing down, instead of looking at what they have on or what they buy, and then we are all jealous and, no, we sustain ourselves when we seek that which is good, positive, and builds each other. We sustain ourselves when we listen to each other's stories, our struggles, our pains, as well as our victories and joys. You see, we sustain each other when we share time together in worship. This is a time of sustenance. Too bad it's only once a week for now. When we fellowship, when we do service, when you share your talent, your specialty, as people have done some of these decorations, that we have people who do the, the slides, and we have people who do amazing things in our property and ministries that are impacting our community, like the summer camp, our community meals. By the way, we have one this Tuesday. You're invited to have a, a meal with us at 6 o'clock. 
It's southern food at this time. I think the menu is in your worship guide. See, when we share talents, when we share our time together, as we're planning to go, a group of us to see the eclipse and get blind. But we're going to share our blindness together. Wow, you're gone. We got some of these. That sharing time together is sustaining each of us. How do you sustain yourself? You see, because Jesus tells us that apart from Him, we can do nothing. I mean, we can cook, right? We can still prepare that meal. But do we realize who's the one that's behind the whole thing? And are we appreciative and giving thanks to God for it? You see, sustaining ourselves is God's work in us. Look how Paul put it in Philippians 1.6. God... Notice it begins with God and not I. Please notice that. It is the I who began the good work of self-improvement. No strikes, no thunder lightning out there yet. But God who began the good work where? Where? Within... Remember, it's building our inner life. So once we build our inner life, once we organize our inner life, once we have that inner life, you know, working in the same harmony and symphony with God, then our outer lives begins to get organized in that way. So God who began the good work within you, not outside of you, it begins within us, will continue His work. Where is God going to continue His work? Within us. Until when? Oh my gosh, you in for it. There's not a break. I tried. No, God speaks. And once your ear becomes accustomed to the voice of God, once your spiritual ears become accustomed, oh, you hear God. The sovereign God who provides the elements of rain, sun, wind, provides also the word, spirit, and fellowship for us to grow and sustain ourselves. Let's have a moment of pause as we listen and watch the video as the writer of these songs realizes how he doesn't depend upon himself how basically he depends upon God who is his all in all. Uh-huh. You don't have it? We won't do it then. Look how panic I am. Let us then pray. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you that, that you not only care to just purchase fire insurance for us so that we may be in your presence and that in the enemy's presence at the end of times, but that you care to love us intentionally, 
to love us in such a way that, that you don't just put your hands upon us and push us and do your thing, but you cover us, you walk before us, behind us, to each side of us, to sustain us, to uphold us, to build us up spiritually. Oh, you do it physically, and we thank you for every provision, not only for the food, but for even what that food does to our bodies, which gives us the energy so that then we can produce, we can become, and we can make a difference in this world for your glory, oh God. And we thought it was all about me and my pleasures. Thank you for making us part of that ecology of spirit where we belong to you because you claim us and, and, and where we are your children and your daughters and sons because you care for us to have cleanses, to pour your spirit in us, to give us your word, to give us the sustenance in fellowship, in word and spirit. We pray that this sustenance, we're able not to keep it for ourselves, but to share it with others in our community. Particularly, our Lord, we, we, we're praying for Barbara Shaddix as Tommy is in your presence. For that, we rejoice, but we also have the emptiness on this side. We pray for Shirley Allen as she is home trying to figure out, oh God, your grace upon her. We pray for any other sister or brother who may be home sick, who may be home depressed, who may be home just giving it up because they don't sense your presence. Oh, God, become real to them at this moment through your Spirit. Touch them and use us to be your hands, to be your voice of love, of acceptance. We pray for our community, for our community helpers. We pray for all the plans that this church has for the fall and, and, and for the holidays. Oh, God, you, you guide us. We follow you. And, and when we get off, you know, just tell us and we'll just back off. It's not about us. It's about you, oh, God. We thank you for the souls that are here, the families that are here the children that are here, the youth that are here. We thank you. But above all, we thank you, O oh God, for that one whom you sent. Yes, he died for us and he rose, but he remains present with us. Him whom we call Jesus, the Christ, who taught us to say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread. That's as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.